Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Uh, let's put this picture up here. You know, every year, I like to take my family, sometimes with friends, or other families our community, we would go to the Lincoln Memorial, D.C. And, I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but our family particularly were in love with pandas. When people watch our family, or just me and my wife, I guess, my wife kind of looks like a panda, so, but um, <laughs> I call her panda sometimes. And we, we would look at pandas for like an hour, and, and some people were like, you guys are in love with pandas, and like we are. They're so, they teach us how to rest, <laughs> Sabbath rest. And we love going to D.C., looking at the, viewing the pandas, you know, it's free. And, um, but we also visit the Lincoln Memorial. And, and like I said in my prayer today, you know, the last week, particularly this week, we had, you know, our, our this American experiment, this idea that a people, by the people, for the people, a government, Lincoln said that will never perish from this earth, uh, the accountability and abuse of power was in full display on the world stage. And this particularly is very important in our history because global superpowers in the world and those who are rising up in the ranks are not democratic societies, right? We have Russia, and you have China. They're totalitarian regimes, really, um, behind the curtain of whatever you want to say. I mean, there's not really free elections. There's communism, socialism. America is, and the UK are sort of the, you know, the last remaining superpowers on the world stage. And it's been a precarious time for freedom and the idea of a free people ruling themselves. And so when, when I go to the Lincoln Memorial, it's astounding to me that no one visits Jefferson's site at all. And he's the, you know, he, I mean, he was a superstar. If you've seen Alexander Hamilton, I mean, he was, you know, a superstar in the States. He was a superstar in France, you know, and he, he was flamboyant, eloquent, and a genius. But nobody visits a superstar. There are only two things in DC people visit. It's the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, the man people called Honest Abe who preserved the Union. And then George Washington who gave away his power. And ever since the first, his first presidency we've seen a transition of power take place in this American experiment. And so this is Ingersoll talking about Abraham Lincoln. A lot of people 
uh, give this quotation to Abraham Lincoln, but that's not true. He never said this about himself because that would be pretty arrogant, but uh, he never said this. Um, Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. It's true. Abraham Lincoln endured the, the Civil War, the ripping and the, and the, you know, the tension of the Union in, the, in, the, in precarious times during the tensions between the North and the South. But eventually he, even though he was very unpopular, his decisions, kept the union honest. And he did good and he, he held people with his power. So did George Washington. And this is why I think particularly it's important to pay attention to the idea of power. Particularly the difference between what God calls us to be as God's people versus how the world is functioning. An economist in, in Chicago, by the way, how much is NYU tuition now? 70000 Jesus, Lord, God, have mercy. <laughs> Chicago, by 2020, is projected to be 100000 Yeah, but an economist, uh, I guess he, that's why he's the economist. I mean, an economist said that morality is uh, the way the world should be, but economy is the way the world is. And what do we see particularly about how power is displayed and exhibited and used on the world stage? Well, let's move down here. Right now we've seen the idea of freedom and the idea of a free press, the idea for being played out in Hong Kong and China, the tensions between China and the states and, and the protests in Hong Kong. And this is a profile uh, by a Catholic cardinal, Joseph Zen. He says, if a government fails, falls into totalitarianism and oppresses people, then we have no choice but to rebel. So the major emerging power, this is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Okay. China will surpass the U.S. in economic power and military power in the next few decades. It's not, it's not if, it's when. And so this is very important. And China's trying to control the situation in Hong Kong. I don't know where, how you're viewing it or if you heard about it, but it's important to pay attention to because how is China using their power? Well. Let's move down here. New York Times reported a landmark viola human rights violation just this past week of the Chinese government putting one million specialty Muslims, we girls Muslims, in concentration camps. Um, and sometimes they said even 1.5 million people where they just, this professor of anthropology just disappeared in 2017, never to seen again. And when the New York Times broke the story, the Chinese president said, this is fake news. New York Times making up stories again. 
So what we see in the world stage is the most powerful country soon to be uses power coercively. They manipulate and lie, control media, state TV, and they take a million people into captivity because of their religious belief. To try to create a world in their own image, what they think is right. That's not happening 100 years ago. This is not World War II with Hitler. This is now. I know we like to talk about the American dream, but the American dream is on trial, folks. And I'm grateful to live in a country where the, the person who sits in the most powerful chair has to be held accountable, even though it's, it's a very slippery fish. But I mean, you know, I li we live in a country where the people who are giving testimonies, ambassadors, and armed forces who are testifying that, you know, Vindman, especially when he said that he told, he told his father, if you read the New York Times or his, his interview, he said, Dad, don't worry. I'll be fine for telling the truth. And he said, you know, I started tearing when I heard this. And he said, um, Dad, don't worry. This, today, me testifying before Congress, this committee, proves that you leaving Ukraine and coming to the States was the right decision. Because if he did that in Ukraine or Russia, he wouldn't make it to testify. But this is how power is used today. And, and I think it's so drastically important to understand as a community of faith and as people that represent Jesus to understand the difference of the world's power versus God's and the kingdom's power. Amen? Because your voice, your calling to truth and to serve the vulnerable, those voiceless, is a calling not for tomorrow, but today. Now, at this moment. So let's look at the difference between the world's power, the contrast from God's power. So let's go to this passage. This passage, I would say, is the greatest apologetic for why Christianity is true. The power distribution is so radical, it could almost seem like it's fictional. The greatest minds of our time, the Greek philosophers, Greek mythology, we can human beings can create an idea like Zeus and Mount Olympus, where the strongest rule and torture. But could human beings really have the moral imagination to display this passage where the king of the universe, the most powerful being, the most powerful sentient being in the whole universe becomes a slave and washes his students' feet. That's not something we can make up, even if we have the imagination too, because there's nothing like that ever in history. The, re the role reversal is 
ludicrous and scandalous. So when you read this passage, I would say pay attention to the difference because contrast is the mother of clarity. You'll see the clear difference between God's power and the world's power. So we talked about the Passover last week. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, what does he say? He loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. I think that's first very important to understand. Jesus did not have to go to the cross. Jesus did not have to allow himself to be betrayed or arrested or be crucified. God put everything in human affairs cosmologically under his power, and he did not have to comply to this trajectory, to this direction. And he says that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped his towel around his waist. After then, he poured the water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Here you see a king taking on the role of a slave or a servant would do in ancient times. The, The power dynamic switches the first time in history where a king washes the feet of servants. I think it's very important to catch that part. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What was Jesus' motive for using his power? Love. Tell someone next to you, love. All you need is love. Someone said once, John Lennon, very smart man. What is the difference between the world's power and God's power? This is the first thing. Read it with me. The former is what? But the latter is what? Driven by love. It's the upside down in Stranger Things. It's opposite day. The kingdom of God turns the world upside down, the dynamic of power upside down. The former is motivated by fear, but the latter is driven by love. Jesus was expected to be a conquering hero. All the world has seen before Jesus split time from B.C. to A.D. is rulers, Caesar, Alexander the Great, the great conquest of military might, You, through barbarianism, brutality, subject people to worship you through intimidation and fear. There is no corporation. The corporation is only 100 years old. There's no CEOs yet. There's just military might, brutal death. The world's power is motivated by fear, so therefore it kills, it seizes, it intimidates. And brute force brings you into subjugation. But here, 
Jesus uses another approach to win the human heart. Because no political kingdom is ever going to change the world. We've seen that already here in the States and around the world. Jesus approaches it through what? Through love. The revolution of love starts here. So let me show you here. Let's put my picture up here with my wife. This is uh, taken the first day we dated. It was a, a senior banquet. No dancing was allowed. It's a Bible college. No dancing was allowed. No alcohol. It wasn't a party. We just sit, sat there and ate chicken nuggets. I mean, uh, it, it just, you know, it was a very boring party, you know. And um, this is the night I told my wife I loved her in our first date. I did a Ted Mosby. I didn't have a blue horn or anything. But I mean, um, but I could have approached it through power or charisma, you know? I could have said, yo, babe. <laughs> I don't know how she, maybe she would have punched me. I don't know. But I could say, hey, I'm the, best, I'm the best looking guy in the school. And that would have probably been true. And I'm also the smartest. But, but I mean, I could say, hey, this is all, I, and I have the most potential. That's why you should marry me. I'll, I'll be like, that's true, but I don't like you. Right? You can come, you can approach people in, in, in full display with charisma or brutal might. But if you want to win the human heart, not just from a romantic perspective in a romantic relationship, you, you have to bend the knee. It has, it has, there has to be vulnerability and tenderness. You can only win the human heart through vulnerability. And that's difficult. That's hard. The only way I could win was tell my wife I loved her the first day we met. I mean, I mean you know, we knew, we knew each other for four years, you know, but I knew I loved her. You know, I said it. And she'd go, we'll see. I was like, wow. <laughs> wow. You don't love me too? I know you do. And she did. She did. She's just lying. No, I had to, what, what did it have to do with win? It wasn't a conquest. I had to bend a knee. And when I lost a ring in the sand proposing, that was vulnerable too. But I think that I found it. I'm like, we're not getting another one. We can never <laughs> afford another one. It's impossible to afford another one. But the human heart has to win, has to be won over by love, the revolution of love. And this is why the Judeo-Christian reality takes place right historically, the lens of history. You see love being planted in, in the Middle East and has never been the same again. The Roman Empire crumbled in just a, shoot, just a short century because these brutal barbarians that was run by Caesar and an em emperor no longer wanted to kill people because they felt the love of Jesus Christ. They wanted to love their neighbor, not kill them. And they could do it no longer. They knew something greater. And that's why Jesus subjects himself to this betrayal, to the crucifixion and to the cross because it says in the text very carefully he was going to love them till the end. 
When Jesus says on the cross, he says his last words, it is finished. He dies a vulnerable death. And that's what started the greatest revolution in the world. Folks, that's why I'm not in politics. These, these idiots in Congress, most of you could replace them. They're idiots. You know, we shouldn't talk to them. They are! Did you see the impeachment? I'm just like, I mean, there would be no comedy shows alive today if there was no politics. I mean, that's what we all talk about every single day. I mean, I would have gone to politics if that could change the world. I want to take my talents, my assets, everything I am to bring about the change that's necessary in the world. That's what God told us to do, to be the light of the world. Folks, this passage tells you that the revolution started in an ecclesia, in a community, right here in this room. You are the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. It's not in Washington. It's not in China, not in some iron curtain. It's right here in the human heart. Two, three gathered in his name, amen? Right here. It's a revolution of love. We have to win hearts and minds through the way of Jesus, the way of the cross. So you see here the first thing. The world's power is motivated by fear and scarcity. There's not enough to be around, so I'm going to seize everyone's assets. I'm going to lease land. And here's the thing. Everybody, every regime, totalitarian regime, every dictator, more than monarchies, every single totalitarian state begins as a democracy. Even North Korea is called a democratic state of North Korea. And there's supposed to be elections. Except that there's, there's never you know, any other opposition. There's no freedom. So it's, it's motivated by scarcity that there will not be enough to go around. And it's utopian in nature, too. They promise you everything. They promise you the city of gold. That ends up as a nightmare. So... God's kingdom is driven by love and not fear. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Amen? Amen. So, secondly, let's move down here. And when he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash. What's it say? One another's feet. Tell someone, I'm going to wash your feet. <laughs> couples, what about couples? Would you wash your feet? No, I won't. No way. I mean, look, look at the power distribution in this passage. I mean, and if you've seen the narrative, you know, Peter says, when, he, when Jesus is about to wash his feet, Apostle Peter says, not me, never, Lord. This dynamic doesn't work for me. I will never let you wash my feet. Then Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you will have no part of me. You cannot be a... And he goes, okay, then wash my, well, my whole body. And, and Jesus is like, Peter, come on. 
Let's have some boundaries. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to wash your whole body. You smell, bro. But I mean, but, but you see this dynamic where P for Peter, he loves Jesus and he wants to serve him as his emperor. And he can't accept the power dynamic. Can't accept it. I mean, how do we treat each other, folks? Do we treat each other like this? Where we could humble ourselves to the point of doing your errands? Hey, I'll pick up your laundry or your, your dry cleaning. Hey, is there that type of spirit and attitude in the ecclesia? I think that lacks sometimes. Like you do it yourself. Talking about. We usually have the world's idea of power and power dynamic more than how Jesus started this revolution. And then we wonder why our lives don't demonstrate the life and joy of the Lord. So if you guys have issues, just watch each other's feet. I mean, I, I did this exercise of washing people's feet a long time ago, and people always cry. And they say, I don't know why I cried, but it was weird. <laughs> it's like, I was crying, you smell, bro. <laughs> no, because it, it's such a weird power dynamic when a, when a leader washes your feet that it literally, like, well, something inside of you viscerally says, this is right, but this is so wrong. It's, I would use the word foreign, because it's not from this world. It's love. That's an apologetic. This thing we call, this person we call Jesus wasn't from this world, right? He came incarnated. The God of the universe became a man. It's an apologetic, logical apologetic for why this story is not of human origin. Because we cannot... We don't have the immoral imagination. And I could prove it to you. We can go through the whole history of civilization. And I'm a history buff. We can do Western civilization. We can do everything. That'd be really fun. Let me give you an example. Here we go in Venezuela. Maduro. Nicholas Maduro. Latin America versus, this is Wall Street Journal. I had a lot of New York Times, so I don't want you to think I'm taking sides. I subscribe to both. Okay? And it's interesting that a bus driver runs Venezuela. That's what Nicolas Maduro is. He was a bus driver who joined the regime of Chavez before. And now he's been the president, even though he's not supposed to be the president, he's still the president. He's crippled a country wealthy of oil reserves. They should be rich and thriving. Paul, maybe we should hire you as a consultant there. But I mean, people are, I mean, struggling. There's poverty. There's, it, it's, a, it's a mess. But he doesn't want to abdicate power. A dictator is ruining a whole nation. And there are many places. There's North Korea, there's others. And even though he sucks at his job, he doesn't want to abdicate it. 
because of his poor leadership. And that's what dictators are, right? It doesn't matter how well I do or not. Just seize the media, free press, and, and do me a favor, everyone in this room. I know you're all cheap, right? But I, was, I attended a, a talk this week with uh, author Salzberger, the publisher of the New York Times, and his family published the New York Times. And, he, and, and one of the questions I wanted to ask, he actually asked himself and answered it, was how could we close the divide? of this polarizing world, right? Sometimes, you, do you guys feel cynical about politics? I do. Can we ever get back to a place of compromise? This country thrived and survived because of compromise, of moderates that came together for greater unity, right? We don't need, we can have unity without uniformity. That's the whole point of diversity. And he said, the only thing you can do is support independent news organizations. So all of you here, there are student rates. Some of you guys can just afford this. Subscribe to independent news. If you want to be balanced, this is what I do. I tell people, I have the Wall Street Journal, it's supposed to be conservative, and I have the New York Times. Do that. That will help. Keep it independent. You're funding it. So you see someone like this dictator who's taking over a country, doesn't want to abdicate power. Oh, what's his goal? What's a dictator's goal? Make slaves. Then what is the difference between what Jesus does in this passage and what's happening in Venezuela? The difference between the world's power and God's power. Well. Lastly, this. Read it with me. The former what? Desires. But the latter what? Desires. Friends. That's a radical reversal. All totalitarianism, communism, any isms that promise utopia never create equality or equity. They end up creating a top-down society through stratification. The 1% in North Korea live very well. The 99% in North Korea are not. This is the power dynamic of every single major country in distress right now. That's why the gospel is so revolutionary. Jesus here desires friends, daughters and sons, relationship, not slaves. Amen? That is powerful. I have to put my back into that. I mean, it's powerful. It's a revolution that changed the world then. And it is the news, the only news that will change the world today. Friends along the journey. That's why Jesus called them that night as he washed their feet. He said, Slaves do not need to know their master's business, but I call you my friends. And I will lay down my life for you. So the world's power desires slaves. This is how power is abused and redistributed today, globally. But Jesus shows us a better way. He desires friends. He 
basically treats them as equals. And that's the power we're called to display in a world who's lost his mind. Here in the States, all over the world. This is the only hope that the world has. The gospel, the good news, the euangelion. 2,000 years ago and today. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. I know when we look at the world, we look at it through the lens of economy, how the world is. And that's what Russia, citizens of Russia look at, look at their election process and even the, even the idea of sanitation. You go to Moscow, there's no system of sanitation. People just throw things on the floor because they know the state will not pick it up. And they just accepted that this is just the way the, the world is going to be. And if I oppose, I'll be killed. That's a lot of people what they probably think in Hong Kong and, and China as well. This is just the way it is. This power dynamic, it's the way the world works. It's what citizens in Venezuela are thinking as well. The Uyghur Muslims in the concentration camps, maybe this is just the way the world is. The idea of fear and scarcity. That's why Jesus came to show how the world should be. how the world should become and why he is still working today to restore the beauty in all things. So one of the things I want to ask all of us is have we given to the idea that this is, hey, there's nothing we can do about this. This is just the way the world is. And we have no reason to be here. God is calling us to be the light. Will you become men and women that display kingdom power to turn the world back the way God sees it and wants it, the way it should be? So will you pray today for that? Say, God, make me a man and woman that will use my influence, use my voice, use my gifts, my assets, everything I am, and bring it to your feet, God, to serve. To change this world the way it should be, the vision of Jesus. So Father, we come before you this afternoon Father, we pray for your mercy to people in captivity. Father, we pray that your power would be demonstrated in miraculous ways in our generation. 
If there was ever a cause to fight for in the last century, and now more than ever, it's to fight for the Imago Dei, the image of God in every person on this planet. You know, one thing, one thing that's so particularly important is 1989 in Tillamook Square, I saw a video of a man in protest to, just like Hong Kong today, stopping three tanks from moving any further because he stood in front of the tank. And those tanks could not move forward. That's because viscerally in every human heart, no matter what type of ideology you believe, you know deep down inside, every life is precious and you cannot just run it over. That was started by Jesus Christ. That every life, every sentient being on this planet has infinite value, priceless. I pray today that we would be leaders that would rise up in your privileged position in where you are today and you would become that voice. I pray you would not become complicit to cynicism, not become complicit to how the way the world is, but join the revolution of Jesus and return the Imago Dei to its place. Conquer through love. Our love and God's love. Amen. Let's bow our heads for the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv. 